Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 50 of the IT Career Energizer, a weekly podcast where I chat with inspiring IT professionals, consultants, and experts from around the world. To find out more about the podcast, visit itcareerenergizer.com. And remember to subscribe to get new episodes automatically downloaded to your device. And now let's chat with today's featured guest, Phil Japixi. Phil is an international speaker, Microsoft Most Valuable Professional, and a passionate member of the developer community. He has been developing software for over 30 years and has been heavily involved in the Agile community since 2005. Phil is also a published author with LinkedIn Learning, as well as a co-author of the book C Sharp and the .NET 4.6 Framework. So Phil, can I ask you to fill in the gaps and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, the one thing I want to point out is that we just released, and I know this dates the episode, um, but that's okay. We just released the Pro C Sharp 7 book, which is the next version on A-Press. And um, if you just go to A-Press or Amazon and search my name, Jipixi, uh, you can see the book. We're very excited about it. We, we've we got 7.0, 7.1 in there. We've got .NET Core added in. Um, so there's my shameless plug. Um, filling in the gaps on the, uh, the profile is, um, you know, I spend a lot of time volunteering. Um, I run the, since I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I run the .NET user group. I sponsor the mobile uh, developer user group. Um, I founded and run uh, the Cincinnati Day of Agile and Cincy Develop, which is the largest community-run event in Cincinnati. Um, I'm also a 20-year member of the National Ski Patrol, um, so I am a medic on skis, hence the, the moniker Ski Medic. Yep. And um, I spent 15 years as a firefighter paramedic. So um, really none of that has to do with IT, but that's really where my passion is, and is in volunteering and helping other people. Fantastic. Um, Phil, can you maybe share a unique career tip that the IT career energizer audience need to know and probably don't? Um, yeah, absolutely. So so the biggest career tip that, that I got that, that helped me fantastically is always strive to be the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and what I mean by that is a lot of times we tend to stay where we bubble to the top of the food chain because we're very comfortable there and we like having people come to us and ask us, you know, our opinion and for advice and things like that. But then you stop growing. Yes. So you need to seek out those situations where you look around the room and you go, holy cow, I'm really an idiot. And, and then you can start learning from those people, right? So always have somebody who can be your mentor. Don't always be the mentor. Yes, I think we, we tend to use an expression in the UK about being a big fish in a small pool. Yes. Um, and I think, yes, once you become that big fish, it's, it's time maybe to move on and, and experience other things, I think. Yeah, and, and it's sometimes hard to recognize that you're the big fish or to admit you're the big yes. fish, right? Because we do like feeling important. And, and, and what, what I learned was, you know, when I, when I go into those areas and that's why I became a conference speaker was so I could hang out in the speaker room and, and find people smarter than me. 
it, it's not humiliating at all. It's invigorating because then you just start learning and, and you learn straight from the people who are either creating the technology or are very closely tied into it. And you don't have to sit there scouring books and blogs and things like that. So, so it, it really can recharge your career, especially if you're feeling kind of bored. Yeah, very much so. Seek out that room. Yes. So, uh, Phil, can you maybe tell us uh, the story of your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Yeah, so you know, in my bio, you mentioned how long I've been involved in, in the Agile community and, and really doing Agile even before we had the word Agile. But there was one situation where um, momentum kind of carried us away from that. I've spent a lot of time writing software for the nursing home industry, the long-term care industry here in the U.S., and we've had we had very very successful releases of of several pieces of software, and there was one other piece that would tie it all together. And and here in the U.S., I don't know how it is in the U.K. In the U.S. in long term care facilities, nurses have to do, especially trained nurses, have to do this massive assessment on every one of their residents uh, once a quarter. Anytime there is a change in condition, like a fall or something like that on discharge and, and readmission. And it's really to spot trends from the nursing home. There was a case actually here in Cincinnati, unfortunately, where there was a nursing home nurse who killed 30 some patients and pretty much was getting away with it until he um, you know, got drunk one night and bragged about it in the bar and then they were able to, to figure it out. So this software, or I'm sorry, these assessments are you know, part of it is meant to catch those types of trends that you might not catch. Um, so it's it's law. You have to do it. There's no way around it. There are well over 2,000 data points that get filled out on paper, and then that data was feeding into the other software that I'd written. So I got together with the owner of the nursing home chain, uh, the accountants, uh, you know, everybody except the nurses who actually do the assessments. And we built, this is right when tablet computers were first coming out and motion computing had one that would accept digital ink. And we built the, you know, this big paper form into software on these tablets. And we thought it was the best thing since precise bread. And everybody was thrilled with it until we went to the nurses and we went, here you go. You will now start doing it this way. Well, it might have been the best software in the world, but we had never asked their opinion and never had gotten them involved in the process. And it, it failed miserably. I mean, the, the project was killed. The nurses refused to use it. This is something that's come up in, in previous uh, interviews where it's the lack of consideration of what it, what it actually means in terms of how it's used by the end user. Right. Yeah, and it was, um, it, it, and ironically, we had, we had involved all the right people in all the other software projects, but I think we had we had had too many successes, and and we let that kind of get to our heads that we knew what we we're doing, we knew what they needed. Uh, my medical background, being in emergency services, um, gave me kind of a false sense of of knowledge as well, and it really was a wake up call that hey, you know, we all these other successful projects we did in the nursing home industry because we involved the people who were to use the software. And so it was a great wake up call, you know, and, and translate into present day. Um, I'm doing work with a machine shop right now. And, you know, I'm dealing with people who cut and grind metal and that's all they do all day long. And that's all they care about. And um, I added somebody to my team recently because they have no IT there. And after 
the first meeting where, where my, um, where my employee was in attendance, he came out and he said, wow, I've never seen a bunch of machinists who care about software. And I'm like, it didn't start that way. <laughs> right. We spent a lot of time getting them involved and making them co-conspirators because now what happens when you get those people involved, not only do they support your project, they evangelize it for you. Right. I hear guys out on the shop floor at this machine shop explaining to other employees not only how it works, but why it's a good thing. Yeah. Right. So if you can get those people involved, they become co-conspirators and it just snowballs the, the amount of success that you're going to have with your software. Um, can you maybe take us to your IT career highlight or greatest success and tell us about that? Um, well, from, from the outside looking in, that's probably when I got to speak at Build. So I was fortunate enough to be one of the few non-Microsoft employees to speak at Build uh, 2011, 2012. I can't remember what year it was. Um, it was in the height of the Windows 8 stuff. So um, nobody cares about what I talked about now. Um, it was about building custom controls for Windows 8. Um, so it was, you know, completely time boxed and worthless now moving forward. But it was, you know, my opportunity to speak at Build. Uh, that's, you know, from the outside looking in. Really from the the inside, though, I, I really think my greatest achievement is taking, I do a lot of agile coaching as well and not just technical stuff. Um, and I was at an insurance company that was so extremely waterfall. I mean, they could write a book, you know, it, open a dictionary and, and, you know, for definition of waterfall, they shot, you know, a picture of this team. And in six months, we had got them to the point of where they were actually using um, a Kanban board and doing daily standups and pair programming and things like that on their own. And, and one of the, the funniest moments and, and proudest moments for me was, you know, is it's, it's all cube, cube um, nightmare. I'm not sure what language I can use. I'd use a different term normally, but, you know, cubes everywhere and, I was, you know, kind of heads down working on something. And I heard two of my QA people and two of my developers talking. And I kind of peeked over a prairie dog just a little bit over the wall of my cube. And I could see the four of them huddled around one of their computers. And they were just slaying bugs. And one of them turned to the other and said, nobody tell Phil we're doing this because we don't want him to know how how he changed us. <laughs> yes. And I was like, yes, win. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's very fast turnaround, changing um, a whole culture from, from waterfall into agile in such a short period. Yeah, they, they still had a long way to go, yeah. right? But but um, And that's the way I coach, right? I don't try and do these big major changes. I try and figure out what their pain points are and remove the pain. And, and fortunately, one of their pain points was lack of communication. And they got them communicating and they're like, holy crap, we can work together and we can get things done. So Phil, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? So for me, it's, you know, I'm kind of old and crotchety and gray haired and <laughs> tend to mutter, get off my lawn at times. But, you know, I, I've been in this for pay since the 80s. And, and I've seen so much change. You know, one of my first projects was actually um, using cards, yep. right? And, you know, making sure you don't drop them and, and, and write your name money outside so that you can put them back together in case you do. And 
you know, I've seen the whole thing, you know, the change from client server to web, you know, back to kind of the client server thing with mobile, um, you know, and all these different changes. And whereas new, new technology comes and goes, you know, there's since we started this interview, there's been seven new JavaScript frameworks that have come to light. And two new, um, you know, statically typed languages have just been created. So, so that is a constant that's going to change. And you really can't necessarily keep up with the tech so much as you can keep up with what we're trying to do in IT. And I think what we're trying to do in IT, and this is really what I enjoy about my job the most, is we're trying to solve problems. And, and I know that sounds cliche, but, but let me explain. When I first got into IT and create, you know, building the computers and the networks, in my mind, it was about the computers and the networks and the software. What I learned was it's really not about that. It's about how can we make somebody's job more efficient, easier, right? How can we save them money? How can we make them more money? And if, if you're not doing that, then you really have no purpose. Because even if you're building a game, right, you're trying to make some money off the game. But I write line of business software, and that's where I live. So for me, it's the ability to go in and work with a problem or work with a team who doesn't really know what their problem is. And we'll do a story map. I'm huge in the story mapping. And that was originally created by Jeff Patton. Um, he's got a great book on story mapping. I learned from Stephen Rogowski, who's the Winnipeg Agilist. And, and you might want to have him on uh, as well. I can, I can connect you. Uh, Stephen's a, a wonderful friend of mine and taught me story mapping. And so we'll start with a story map. And it's for me, it's the human part of the process, right? At the end of the day, I can throw nine different technologies at a, at a particular instance and solve it, right? It doesn't matter if it's .NET, Java, you know, PHP, heck, Perl even works, right? Um, as long as you don't have to debug it. But to be able to take a group of people who don't really know what they want and, and to run them through the story map exercise and run them through the agile process and have them all come together as a team uh, working for the same goal and, you know, all of a sudden coming up with this thing that makes their lives better. Um, that's what excites me about the future of IT. And I think that human interaction is becoming more and more important because technology is going to get to the point of where it writes itself. And so if you are the best computer programmer in the world, in other words, you can type 90 words a minute writing code, your skills aren't going to be needed very much. But if you can talk to humans and, and not just speak binar, then, then that's where you really need to be able to focus your skills and to be able to translate what they're asking for and not just give them what they ask for, but, but find out what they really need and to provide that. That's, that's where I enjoy my job the most. And I think that's probably the most important thing moving forward because the technology is going to change in five years. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. Are you ready for this? Sure. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Um, so it was easy. Um, and that sounds kind of self-promoting. Um, I wanted to be a doctor. And I learned what it took to become a doctor and how much memorization and how much schooling and how much debt. And I had learned at a very young age um, my father had brought a computer home, never used it. Um, I don't like to lose. I was playing these, you know, DOS-based games, and I would hack the code so I could always win. Yeah. So um, 
it was something that came naturally and I didn't have to do a whole bunch of memorization in 20 years of school. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Uh, so Brian Prince, who used to be our uh, developer evangelist here in the Ohio region, um, gave a talk about soft skills one time. And one of the best advice that, that I heard was open the door. And what, what he was saying is he, he was somewhere in a hurry to get to a meeting and he paused long enough to open the door for these people who were not immediately behind him, but behind him a little bit. And, you know, most people probably wouldn't have held the door open. Turns out those were his customers he was meeting with. Yes. You know, and so just always be, and my mother taught me this anyway. My, my, my mother and, and father were from the Netherlands. And, you know, if we didn't hold the door open for somebody, I got a, I got a hand up the backside of my head. Um, but you never know who you're going to run into, right? So always be polite and always show respect. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? I would focus much more on blending process and technical. When I started my IT career, it was all technical. That's all we learned in school and that's all we did. We wrote programs. Um, and then, you know, we've had a lot of PMs, uh, project managers and scrum masters and the whole you know, agile process side, but largely ignored the technical side. And I think if I were to start right now, I would focus on really getting good at both the technical and the people side. What career objectives are you currently focusing on? Uh, for me, retirement. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, not too far away. Not too far away. <laughs> um, my career objectives have, have kind of changed a little bit. I'm I'm really enjoying the customers that I have and the work that I'm doing. I don't really plan on retiring anytime soon, but I did switch in 2017. I really wanted to focus on some, not annuity income, but annuity rewards. And what I mean by that is I got um, two books released this year in 2017. Um, I'll say 2017 because I don't know when this podcast is going to be published. And then um, I got three Linda courses published. I've got another one that's being produced. will probably come out early in 2018. And I've got two more courses that I'm under contract for. And I really wanted to focus not so much on helping one or two people at a time, but see if I can help larger groups of people at a time. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Well, I would say... Um, active listening. And it's not a skill that comes naturally to me. Uh, being an engineer, um, one thing that I tend to do is as soon as somebody starts asking me a question, I start working on the solution even before they finish the question. And that gets me in trouble all the time. Um, so one thing that I've, I've really worked on in a skill that I've tried to improve, and I still, after all these years, struggle with is active listening. And I think that's what we really have to understand you know, classic example of not active listening. When I was an intern many, many years ago, my boss asked me for, and, and, the, and the quote was, hey, I would really love to have a calculator in this program so I can add sales figures. And what I heard was calculator. Yep. And I never heard the add sales figures. So I literally reproduced a TI-35, which is still, I think, the best calculator ever built. And yes, I'm showing my age with that. <laughs> um, but I rebuilt a TI-35 in the program which was hard to do back then, uh, you know, with complete with one over X and X to the Y and sine and cosine and all these things. And he's like, what is taking you so long to write this? And I'm like, hold on, I'm doing what you asked. And he says, no, I just wanted to add numbers, right? So 
the non-technical skill that I continue to struggle with to this day and continue to work on is active listening. And I think we all need to be better at that. Phil, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? So parting piece of advice, it's kind of the theme of what we talked about here is, is really just never stop learning. Uh, 15 years in the fire service as a firefighter paramedic, and we had a saying is that once you think you've seen it all, you need to get out. Uh, because you stop learning. Once you think you know it all in IT, it's time to retire or do something else. So always keep learning, always keep trying to get better, be the dumbest guy in the room. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Uh, so you can connect with me on Twitter or my blog. Um, I am ski medic on both. That's S-K-I as in snow ski and medic, M-E-D-I-C as in paramedic. Not schematic like a database schematic, but ski medic. I'm that on Twitter. I'm that on actually LinkedIn and um, Facebook, and that's also my blog, schematic.com. I don't blog as much as I used to, but what I do publish on my blog is I've done a lot of free episodes for Channel 9. Um, I've got my speaking engagements listed, and I will pretty much at reply or reply to anybody who at replies me on Twitter. Phil, thank you so much for joining me on the IT Career Energizer podcast. It's been great talking with you. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. My thanks to Phil for being my guest on today's show. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com e50. In the next episode, I'll be talking with David Majimsi, who is a communication skills trainer based in Japan. You can get this and other future episodes automatically downloaded and available to play by simply subscribing to the podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever streaming service you're using to listen. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.